Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast. Uh, here we are, Thursday, uh, June 22. The NBA draft is tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we just decided today to make our Coaching You podcast all about the NBA draft. Uh, as a basketball coach, fan, player, this is one of those nights that's really cool. And, you know, and tonight, we, you know, we really wanted to make this good. So, you know, there's a, co- a couple of people that I I talk to all the time regarding the draft. <clears throat> One is Fran Fischella, who's the guru of international basketball, knows every kid that's going to be picked whose name we can't pronounce, or even sometimes their country. And then there's, you know, the number one analyst in college basketball, Jay Billis, who handles the draft for ESPN. Uh, Jay was good enough to come on today and, and talk about his thoughts on the draft. And then I think you're going to really enjoy to listen to Mike Jones, the head coach at DeMatha High School, Markel Fultz, high school coach. Uh, Mike's one of the best coaches, high school coaches in the country. And he'll talk about this amazing journey this young man has had. And then I wanted to finish up with something that's really unique. Last year, I uh, had the opportunity to, to work and coach Ben Simmons at LSU. And we got on the phone. Uh, I mean, we got it for our podcast, my fault. Uh, David Patrick, Ben Simmons' godfather, who will share some insight on Ben that probably no one has heard before. So that's kind of going to be what we're going to do today. It's going to be a long podcast, but one, if you're a basketball junkie, you might even, you know, work out for an extra 20 minutes. So uh, enjoy. Let's, let's get a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get Jay Billis. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. FastModel has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, this is another edition of our Coaching You Basketball podcast with the coach Brendan Sir and my special guest and special friend, Jay Billis. Uh, Jay, getting ready now for the draft will be tonight when I air this, okay? So, you know, I know, you know, as the lead broadcaster for ESPN all year, you're doing these kids' games, you're studying them. Uh, feelings go into tonight's draft. Well, I think Brendan, it's a it's a great draft. There's so many uh, talented players, uh, especially at the top of the first round. But it seems like there are so many players that I really like uh, that are deep in the second round on some of these lists on my own list. I think the the thing that I'm still, you know, my age, I'm 53 years old now. 
and you still think of yourself as a young person, but um, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around trying to uh, sort of project out an 18, 19 year old kid as to how good they're going to be in the future. When I know a lot of these players are only scratching the surface of how good they can be. But once you throw them into a league full of men, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's anybody's guess as to how well they're going to do, even given how talented they are. So it's a, uh, you know, the new normal is, uh, is still unusual for me. Um, even though for these young players, it's all they've known. Like they, they've never lived in a world that didn't have the one and done phenomenon. And then for me, you know, you and I have, and it's still, I'm still having to train myself as to, to how to look at it. You know, I, I've been on the phone with agents and GMs the last week because even though, and I agree, this is as good a draft as I've seen the last 10 years almost, I think. Uh, with, uh, I mean, there's going to be 25 kids that are not drafted that are good enough to make the league, my opinion. I agree. Uh, and as our friend Fran Fischello says, we're going to need a D-League for the D-League with all the young kids that have come out, you know, one of the great <laughs> lines of all time, as Franny does all the time. But here's what I, I think. If I'm, you know, I'm trying to catch Golden State. I'm trying to catch Cleveland. And I, you know what? In all fairness to these young people, I can't catch them with these kids in the draft. And, you know, right now. I mean, I'm talking, you know, how the the business world of professional sports is, it's right now. It, you know, Philadelphia is doing it right. They're they got they're not they're not putting a timeline on uh, an expiration date on what they're trying to do, so they're fine. But Boston, you know, picking a young kid that's not going to help. My I, I think they make a move with the third pick and might be done by the time we get to this uh, Thursday. Uh, and I think they go out and get an All Star veteran player, and uh, you know because that's the way I got to be. And then I got to make a huge impact in the free agency to bring in another stud if I'm going to beat LeBron. So I agree 100% with you. These young kids are not going to translate to immediate, to catch that Golden State mammoth program. My goodness. Uh, I haven't seen anything like that ever. And so, yeah, interesting. Well, you know, Brendan, it, it, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, and, and it may go counter to sort of the, the, the Boston free agent thing, you know, first of all, I heard years ago uh, somebody say that, that you know, be careful what you do when you feel like you're one player away because you can really make a lot of mistakes then. The other part of it is with, with chasing Golden State and LeBron is I, I'm not sure who Boston can get that's going to make them as good as Cleveland right now. And, and even LeBron's going to get older. And the, one of the options I would look at is – what what can we best do to position ourselves to be great when LeBron and Cleveland are on the down, you know, the down cycle of age? And because they're not going to stay up there. Golden State seems like like they're going to stay up there a while. I agree. That, that this is longer than a three-year thing. For, for Cleveland, it might be three, four more years at the highest level. And then you're probably going to see it go down because LeBron's getting older. And, and it could also uh, be even, one more. Even year. age is going to hit him. I'm I'm almost positive of that. Although if it doesn't <laughs> hit anybody, he's the one it wouldn't hit. And it could also be one more year with LeBron before he goes right. west if he decides. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think the East is the place to be right now if I'm trying to do that type of program because I don't see an expiration date on our Warriors and if they you know if they don't get into Pat Riley's disease and me and you all get greedy and stuff, I think they can hold it together for quite a while. Uh, so it's going to be fascinating. Give me uh, your feelings on uh, 
you know, the guards, let's say, I think we have some terrific point guards, you know, really one of the best groups I've ever seen. You know, how did you rate them? I think this is, this may be top to bottom, the best crop of point guards we've seen. Yeah. In, even if you look in the, just in limited to the top 10, you know, I, I list Markel Fultz of Washington as a point guard and, yep. and he's a complete player. Uh, he doesn't really have anything we can say, well, he really needs to improve in this. I mean, he certainly needs to get better, period. Uh, all of these players do. Uh, but he, he's as close to complete uh, among these prospects as, as anyone. And, and he's long-armed and he's strong and he's got a, a really solid NBA body right now. And he's the best that I've seen both on film and, and in all the stuff I've seen live this year in pick-and-roll situations, both as a ball handler and a pick-and-roll passer, because uh, he's an excellent passer in addition to being able to score at three levels of, of range, intermediate, and, and at the rim. Uh, so, you know, look, he's not, a, he's not a, a, a focused defender. It's not what he fills his tank with right now, but I think he can improve in that area a great deal. And then, uh, and then Lonzo Ball is a Jason Kidd uh, clone. Right, and good, I really, I really comparison. think that's that. Mm-hmm. And he, but he's a, a vastly better shooter than than Jason Kidd was. And even though that shot looks kind of funny, and and it wouldn't be the way you would classically teach someone to shoot, uh, it kind of reminds me of Jim Furyk's golf swing. Like it, it, it may look <laughs> funny, but at impact, it's good. Point, and at good. his release point, it's good, and it goes in. And you know, if you're hitting the ball in the fairway, I don't know why you'd want to change your swing. And and he's he's making shots, so until he starts missing it, I don't think you mess with it. And then De'Aaron Fox is the fastest guard in the draft, and uh, and then Dennis Smith is the most explosive, and and he's a uh, uh, just a freak athletically. So that's four guys, and maybe the top seven picks or eight picks that are legit. And that doesn't even include Donovan Mitchell from uh, Louisville. Who I you know maybe maybe not a point guard uh, classically, yeah. but uh, but could certainly initiate down the road and and uh, another sort of lengthy athletic freak that uh, that can really play. Man, it, it is some some group. Uh, you know the players that you know, you know everyone you know, and I'm a big Josh Jackson fan also. You know that uh, where do you see or, or what do you see in Josh Jackson down the road? Jackson is so athletic. I mean, he's really a, a freak of an athlete. You know, you can lob it to him. He goes up and grabs offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. He sticks his nose in there. Um, his shooting mechanics are poor. Like, he shoots the ball out, not up, as most shooting coaches would, would teach. Um, and he flings it from the free throw line. Like, he's really a poor free throw shooter. And when he shoots it, you're kind of just hoping it goes in. Um but uh, he's he can handle it. He's probably among the, the the wings the most skilled and skilled in a in a uh, in a wide array of, of areas. But he's not a the one thing he doesn't do is shoot it. And that that's one of the things, Brendan. I mean, you would know so much more about me than this. But with the way the game's evolving, um, there's even more. It seems like there's even more of a premium on shooting. And uh, if, if even as a big guy, if you're not able to stretch the floor. Um, you know, it does limit you a little bit, but I don't know with his mechanics how good of a shooter he's going to be. All these guys can improve, 
but he doesn't shoot a good ball. Like De'Aaron Fox of Kentucky, he shoots a good ball. He's not a consistent shooter, but he People shoots a good ball. People say he's a bad shooter. He's not. He's not a bad shooter. He just can get anywhere he wants to get on the court. So he, it's similar to Ben Simmons, in that, but he's a better shooter. But, you know, Ben could take the ball to anywhere he wanted on the court, so he, he, he was a reluctant shooter, and it, and it hurt him. But, uh, you know, this kid, whew, uh, you know, I agree with you 100%. Hey, going to the... The next three players, I think, are really guys that can fill it up, as you were mentioning. Monk, you know, who I absolutely love from Kentucky. Uh, you know, the, our friend from Duke, Jason Tatum, who I think has high value the way we're talking about. And then Laurie Markinen, the kid from Arizona. I think those three guys can really stroke the ball. You agree? Yes, Monk is the best shooter. Uh, Lowry Markin is the best big man shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, Monk, it's funny, you know, in this age of, of it seems like, you know, every player's arms are, uh, you know, the, were, should have been reserved for somebody five inches taller than them. <laughs> Monk is one of the only players his arms are shorter than his height. His wingspan's shorter than his height. And uh, yeah. and at, at a two guard, he's he's small and, and not, not long. But he can really shoot it, and he's a, he's a, he's another freak athlete. There's one thing that I don't want to say it bothers me, but but I have thought about it with with Malik Monk is that he's a crazy athlete, as you know, right? But he doesn't rebound as a guard to the level of his athleticism, and so you know he doesn't go get the ball like sometimes I think he should, and uh, and you know I don't know I know rebounding translates from one level to another, but. You wonder sometimes if a guy that doesn't rebound uh, like you think he should translates, like because uh, he can, he just doesn't. Um, but he shoots it so well. I don't know. I, it's probably I'm probably wasting my breath worrying about that. But uh, but it, I do think about it. And then Tatum, I think, is undervalued. He, even even at, at you know ranked at four or five, um, I you know he's more. I think he's more fluid as an offensive player than uh, Josh Jackson's. Just Jackson's so much more athletic. Um, and, and Tatum's athletic, but Tatum's longer. Um, he is, uh, he's got a, a, a beautiful stroke. He's not a consistent long range shooter, but I think he can be. And he knocks his free throws down at a really high rate. Uh, I, I think he's kind of undervalued because he, he didn't play a full season. And I don't think we saw his best. I think he just kind of scratched the surface of what he's capable of. I think he's really going to excel when people run stuff for him. You know, in K's system, you know, it's so much drive and kick and spot up threes, a lot of pick and roll. And, you know, K's moved to more of the pro style uh, flow get type of game, you know, and, and also, you know, run outs on their great defense. And, you know, and I think uh, Tatum in a, and when they run plays for him, because he's so good, I think will really excel. Just as I think Monk can too, because Cal has done a great job of teaching him how to move without the ball. And I think it, you know, that's the thing I got. My thing on Monk also is doesn't defend, you know, at all. You know, and 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 Cal is a guy who really emphasizes defense, but he just wouldn't defend. But I I also blame that on the college game because of the five foul rule, you know, and they give you two quick ones, you know, when you're on the road just for coming off the team bus, you know. But uh, I shouldn't be saying that. But I, I it's true though. I, there, there, I don't coach in college, so that. I can say anything now. So anymore, so <laughs> that's the good news. Yeah. What did you? Uh, what do you think now of the? The young kid with the wingspan, like you said, Jonathan Isaac out of Florida State. 
I like him. Um, I'm just not. I'm not sure how good he's going to be. Right. Um, you know, he's six mm-hmm. eleven, and 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 again, another another lengthy, uh, kind of fluid athlete. Um, and and he can at times get a little bit. I don't want to say mechanical, but but there, there are times when that fluidity is is not present. Um, and he's not uh, not as physical as you'd like, but he he's not. He doesn't have a uh, a great body yet. Um, and I don't know how how big he can be uh as far as the frame weight. right yeah uh, he's only two he, he couldn't weigh more than 210 pounds if he yeah. weighs 210 i'd be he's probably got a rock in his pocket because yeah. he's really thin <laughs> uh, you know I, I i i totally agree on that now our other duke guy i love luke Kennard again because he can shoot the ball your feelings on him in the pro game Best uh, footwork of any player in this draft. Wow! His ability to get into the lane, to pivot, to um, to to maintain his balance while at the same time getting his defender off balance uh, is is incredible. And uh, I was stunned to find this out this last year. I probably should have known it earlier, and maybe maybe I hadn't done my homework on it. But um, when I was at a practice really early in the season, a Duke practice before a game. I found out, I was talking to Kennard and found out he's right-handed. No. Like, he pl- he plays left-handed, but, like, he, he's got, like, he, he he's not only, like, kind of right-handed, he, he, he's ambidextrous, but his he shoots left-handed, obviously, and throws and all his stuff left, but he's a, he's a natural righty, and he's got no difference in his feet. Like, some guys have, have a lot of players, actually, probably the majority of them, have a dominant foot, and he doesn't have a dominant foot. Like, he can really go either way. And uh, and pivot either way with uh, and shoot with his right hand. He's going to have a right-handed floater. Um, it's really really remarkable how um, athletically gifted he is in the uh, the old school way. You know, remember when we were kids and somebody said a great athlete? That's a, that was a guy that could do a lot of things. Now sure. an athlete means a guy that can run and run and jump. Yeah. Um, but but he he's the old school great athlete where. He's he can do so many different things, and he's way tougher than he gets credit for. Like he sticks his nose in there and rebounds, and he's a he's a much better passer than he gets credit for. And even though he's not sort of the uh, uh, the freak athlete that a lot of these other players are, he's he's a pretty solid defender, and uh, and he doesn't he certainly doesn't get taken advantage of by anyone. Uh, I really like him. Um, I, I don't want to say he's Chris Mullen, but he reminds me of that mm. kind of player. That is a that I love that I love that comparison I love that. Any of the other guys that played in the states that you you know really think that you know the Zach Collins kid I know you know you you know you had Gonzaga. Did you did you think he was? I was shocked that he came out, but obviously you know the, the pros like him. You know. Yeah, I'm not surprised anymore. I'm surprised when yeah. they come back now, honestly. <laughs> um, and so when, when he blew up so much this last year, the only the only question mark I would have. And it's kind of an overthinking one um, is, you know, Zach Collins is is, is kind of a uh, one of these comets that that shot way. You know, he came across our radar mm-hmm. and uh, and didn't see it coming. And, you know, he was he went to Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. He was the third best big guy in his high school team. Steven Zimmerman and Chase Jeter were were ahead of him on his high school team. Oh, my God. And then he goes to Gonzaga and. You know, people. It's not that people expected that much, and he was one of their best players, but didn't start. So he's one of their best players, and certainly their most efficient uh, big guy. And so he he's really never played as being the best guy on his team. 
And mm-hmm. now maybe that's a good thing when he goes into the NBA. I don't. I don't really know. I just. It just kind of seemed odd that it would have been nice to see him go back and be the be the best guy on the team and see how he functions. And then we'll see how he does. Guy. Right. Yeah. No. I think exactly. That, that's you. Exactly. So that's you. Are coming out, but I don't know what that means in his development. Yeah, I think you know, and uh, you know that that's a heck of a that's a heck of a point, and I didn't realize that. You know, boy, that guy must have. Did a pretty good job at Gorman. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's either a good recruiter. We, or a... <laughs> and we thought he had good X and O's. Wow, you know, uh, you know. But I, I was really surprised Donovan Mitchell came out, and then even more surprised at how the pros are kind of gravitating towards him now. I saw him. We were in uh, Atlantis together at the tournament down there, Battle for Atlantis, and I, I felt he was undersized, little stocky kind of. You know, to, he has a great wingspan and stuff, but you know, uh, I was really, I, I wasn't sure at that size it would translate to the pros. So um, uh, it's kind of amazing that uh, the people are picking up on him. I think the Knicks even have him in uh, the other day at you know pick eight. You know, so uh, it'll be interesting to see feelings on him. I, I love Rick and his team, you know, but uh, I was a little surprised by that. Physically unique. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned he's not. You said it a little not, better than uh, I did. That was good. Yeah, I not, liked that. <laughs> not tall, but he's he's lengthy and he's he's shaped like a bullet. I mean, he's so uh, so physically strong. Um, he's a he's a great baseball player. Like his his, his father daddy, works yeah. in the Mets organization, and Donovan could have been a, a he was an excellent pitcher, but obviously like basketball more. Uh, his dad, his dad, I think, enjoys watching him play basketball. But I think there's a part of him that said, "Boy, if he would have stayed in baseball, he could, he could have had a longer career." Mm. But uh, uh, he, he's got great body control. He, he does a really good job splitting pick and rolls. Um, he's an excellent free throw shooter. Not a great perimeter shooter. He shot probably in the mid 30s, I'd say, uh, from the college three. But I, I do think he can be a better shooter. Like he can, he can improve there. Because uh, his mechanics are pretty good, and uh, and so I think he's one of those guys that, in today's NBA, where you can be a little bit smaller because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, maybe ten years ago, five years ago, being smaller was a disadvantage. Seems like there are more small guards that are are more successful now than ever. Um, I would I would say his athleticism and length uh, puts him in pretty good stead in in this draft. It's just a question. You know, I would love it if he could play the point, and I, it's a question mark for me. I don't know that he can. I think he can initiate offense some, but I don't see him as a as a, a run of the team type of point guard. Last last player, I'm gonna you know because we could go for you know you'll miss your show tonight, but uh, Justin Jackson, okay, uh, Carolina had a you know terrific year and obviously winning the championship. How do you think he translates at six eight into the pros? That's a good question, Brendan. I don't know. I mean, he's yeah. a question mark for me because, um, you know, Justin came out. He, he grew up in Tomball, Texas, which is where Jimmy Butler grew up. Huh. And he was homeschooled, and he came out. He came into college with this reputation as being a great shooter. Like, he's one of the elite shooters in high school. And his first couple years, um, you know, he kept saying, okay, really good shooter. But he, he didn't make any shots. <laughs> and at some point, you know, you kind of got to go – Look, I can't say great shooter anymore. He doesn't make shots. Right. And and but his middle game is just beautiful. Like he makes mid-range floaters. Uh you just don't see that very often. Like guys in the NBA for 10 years don't make floaters like he does. It's a it's a knack that he's got and he's kind of a savant with a floater. Um and especially along the baseline. I mean, he can get it up over the top of people, swishes them in. It's a it's a beautiful shot. 
and he made his perimeter shots more this year. He, he shot a much better percentage, but it's still like in the 38% range. So it wasn't like you're going, man, well, he's drilling it. But it was a vast improvement from his first couple of years. Um, not a great free throw shooter. You know, he only shoots in the mid-70s, which, you know, it's good, but it's not great. Um, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't call him a great shooter, mm-hmm. but he, he's more of a streaky shooter. But, man, that, that middle game is fantastic. Uh, and so I think, I think I have him like in the middle of the first round, kind of in the, in the, uh, I'd say 20, but, uh, but I'd be surprised if he goes, you know, if he were a lottery pick, I don't see him there. Yeah. You know, the other, uh, kids that I, you know, kind of know a little bit, but Tony Bradley, a kid from Florida who I knew, uh, you know, I, I was surprised he put his name in, but, uh, this kid has a huge upside, I think. And the other kid was the kid, I think it's T.J. Leaf from UCLA. I really liked watching him this year. Yeah, T.J. Leaf first is, is, I watched him play in high school, and one of the things you know, I had written down was I wasn't sure how tough he was, and then mm-hmm. that showed how smart I am because he's tough. You know, he, he showed last year to be tough as nails, and he can drive it. He can shoot from the perimeter. Uh, he can play pick and pop. He rebounds. Uh, I, that's and, what I see, yeah. Nobody pushes him around. I mean, you know, this idea that he wasn't tough was clearly wrong because he is. And uh, he'll mix it up against anybody. And I was a little surprised that Tony Bradley came out as well, being the third big guy at North Carolina, because, he, you know, he didn't play long stretches of the games. And it wasn't just because they had Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks. It was because his stamina it was an issue for him. Like playing, playing longer than five or six minutes in a row was an issue for him. And, you know, he's still young. The other part, Brendan, he's not a uh, – he tested as one of the, the lesser athletes at the, uh, at the combine. Like, he did not test well. How about that? Um, look, but players overcome that. You know, you can have guys like remember, – remember when Kevin Durant couldn't lift 185 pounds? Not guys, once. Like, so, so what? He'll never make <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'll never make it. I can't believe he overcame that. Um, but, but uh, you know, Tony's not a – he's not uh, explosive athletically. He's not, he, he's not a, a fast or, or quick player. But he's a really good offensive rebounder. I mean, really good. And uh, if you can rebound in that league and get extra possessions, I think you can find a place there. So I see him sort of as a late first-round pick, maybe early second. I saw him in high school, a sophomore in high school, and I I watched him, and I said, this is a – I mean, terribly – you know, we always have to label him. I said, this is a very poor man's Tim Duncan, you know, style-wise. And I said, but – uh, you know that was my thing as a sophomore, but uh, didn't haven't seen that progression. But it's going to be a fascinating night tonight. So uh, I know I'm one of the things I'm going to enjoy watching you work tonight. We'll see who's the next three or four best players on Jay's list. So you're <laughs> you, you're going to be working because uh, there's so many darn good players in this draft. Your list, I hope it's on computer because it's just going to keep changing and changing. It's, it's going to be a great draft night, and you guys are going to have a great show. One thing you can count on, Brendan, I will be wrong but not in doubt. <laughs> and and Fran has been practicing all of his international names in front of the mirror and stuff, so he's ready to roll. He's going to have a lot of – he's going to get a lot of work tonight, I think. But Jay, yeah, he's also practices ad libs very well. Oh so yes, well yes, heard. he fits in well with the group that you have there, and it's <laughs> going to be fun. Jay, as always, thank you so much for sharing, and I know our coaching you audience loves it. Oh, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Doctor Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines 
on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Mike Jones, welcome to Coaching You podcast. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it was great visiting last week at the Top 100 camp, and we saw some of the future stars coming up in the next couple of years that are going to be, uh, you know, in the draft like we're having tonight. But uh, tell me your feelings having your guy, Markel Fultz, going number one to Philadelphia. Uh, well, first of all, you've got to think the word pride comes to mind. I'm just so proud of him and his journey, uh, his faith, his work ethic, uh, I don't think it could happen to a better person. And I do believe that uh, Philadelphia is getting a young man that is going to impact him on the court and in the community. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny, you know, I never uh, got to see him play in high school. Uh, tell me uh, tell me about his qualities as a player. What, what, what makes him so special? Um, well, the first thing I'm going to say, and people are going to kind of raise their eyebrows at but you know, I truly believe that Markel is a winner. Um, you know, at, at, here at the Matha and on the AU team, he played for the Blue Devils, BC Blue Devils, and in his time with USA Basketball, that's all he did was win. And I do believe he's the type of kid that is capable of impacting the game in so many different ways, but ultimately all he wants to do is win, so he's going to do whatever it takes. Um, you know, he's a versatile player, can play on the ball, off the ball, and score at all three levels. Uh, I think he's a very underrated defender, but he's somebody that will be able to defend at the NBA level, and uh, I think he's going to have a great impact for the Sixers. Tell me when you had him, uh, Did you? Ha- how young did you have him at the Matha? What was it? Well, yeah. well, we've had him you know, in our thing. You know, I'm running basketball camp right now. Yeah, no, this, is, this was perfect. We staged this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he actually has been coming to our camp since he was like seven or eight years old. So I've known Markel uh, since then. Uh, And, you know, we didn't recruit him to come here, you know, not because he wasn't a good player, but just there were just so many really good players in the area. And he wanted to come to the Matha. And, you know, he he and his family, his mom especially, made a lot of sacrifices for him to be able to get here and to be here. Um, So, you know, we were very blessed to have that happen. Um, It was just really just truly an honor. Um, so, and then he was with us from his freshman year through his senior year, only on the varsity team is, uh, you know, his junior and senior year. Full that's, time. that's what I had heard as a sophomore. He was not, not that at, at not unusual at a school like Damatha. Uh, sometimes sophomores aren't, you know, good enough to play on the varsity. What was his story? Um, <laughs> the coach was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know who uh, that, don't know guy that guy is or what happened to him, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, you know, he tried out for a team that you know the varsity team that year 
Eventually went 29 and six, made it all the way to our uh, conference championship game, which is, you know, the big, the big prize around here. Um, so the team was good. Uh, and I honestly, I was kind of on an island by myself amongst my coaching staff, but I, I really felt like, uh, Markel would be served better being on our JV team and playing pretty much every minute. He was a kid that hadn't really gone through his growth spurt. Well, he did in his sophomore year. And his work ethic and things like that, like, he just really had this determination. I figured, you know what, we could develop his leadership skills. You know, he's going to play with some other really talented players. All The starting five on the JV that year, all Division One players. So wow. it's not like he went and played with, you know, some yeah. bums. So, um, and I just really thought it was best for him. Now, I will be the first to admit, uh, I was the only coach amongst probably ten of us. You know, the other nine, you know, eight of them were totally for him being on varsity. And then the ninth was you know somewhere in the middle so i was on an island by myself and uh you know i kind of pulled rank and just made the decision and you know uh fortunately markel didn't leave he didn't do what a lot of people do in this day and age and just say well you know what i'm gonna go somewhere else and honestly i think he just spent the rest of his time here at the method trying to prove to me that i made a mistake and uh he did that and much more so when did you know uh, mike that he was going to be special um Probably sometime in his junior season here. I mean, he went straight from JV to being our WCC, uh, which is our conference player of the year. Um, you know, I will, you know, I biased the team, but I think a lot of people consider our league to be the best high school sure. basketball league in the country. So um, for him to go from a JV to being the best player in the league, like literally in a, just a couple of months, was amazing. But he did it, and you can still tell he was still growing and growing into his body and still gaining confidence. So um, I knew then that, you know what, he had a chance to be special. But to be honest with you, I didn't think number one draft pick special. I didn't think one and done special. I was just like, hey, his work ethic's really going to push him to, you know, a pretty tremendous level. And, you know, I think his star is still rising. I still don't think he's reached his fullest potential. Oh, I'm and sure. I, no, he won't and for it, another yeah, couple of years, frankly. And, and his work ethic is such that whatever, wherever that ceiling is, he's going to kill himself trying to get there. So. Yeah, uh, Mike, why did, why did he pick, you know, being a, a kid from uh, D.C., you know, the DMV and all the great schools that you have on the East Coast, why did he pick a school way out in Seattle uh, with a neat coach, a good friend, uh, Lorenzo Romar, but why did he go all the way out there? Well, I mean, I can only speak for what my opinion is. Marcel sure. can tell you for sure why he picked it, but, yeah. you know, what I know is uh, Coach Romar, Obviously, a tremendous coach, great reputation, sure. great job at preparing guards, especially for the NBA. But also, Lorenzo Romar is pretty smart, and he connected with um, Markel's mother. Uh-huh. And uh, Markel's not doing anything without his mom's blessing. So, um, you know, doing that and all the blue bloods that were, you know, coming after Markel, I think Markel just felt most comfortable with uh, Coach Romar and his staff. Coach Chili is a good friend of mine. Yep. You know, saw him early on, and uh, I think that meant something to the family that they uh, they believed in Markel long before a lot of the other schools did. And again, I think that's part of Markel's motivation as well. That you know, some of these other schools came by came at him late, mm-hmm. um, and he you know again wanted to prove to them. And I you know that's just a chip he has on his shoulder. You know, any perceived slight. Uh, he's going to use that as motivation. And, you know, I can think of Michael Jordan as another player that did oh, the exact same thing. Totally. Um, you know, so I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan by any stretch, but uh, that, that, that fire that burns within him is something that, 
uh, I think it's going to you know, serve him very well. Mike, what, uh, for the pro game, uh, okay, knowing the way the pro game is, you just finished watching the finals and stuff like that. Uh, how does he fit in as far as the way pro basketball is being played now, which is frankly different than it was five years ago? Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, I think the pick and roll is going to be something that he thrives in. His brain, you know, I, you know, coach, you, you're, you're a basketball junkie, a basketball expert, a basketball guru, whatever you want to call it. And you know, I've been called brain, a lot better, but a lot worse by my players, but you know, I appreciate those comments. Thanks. Yeah. But I mean, I think your brain has to work differently to be really, really good in the pick and roll. You have to just see things from, you know, one side of the floor, but then you also have to have the imagination of, okay, this is what I'm going to do if this happens. And Markel's brain, has that whatever that is he has it and he sees things long before they happen he anticipates movements his imagination is such that he can create passes um it's it's truly a special skill that he has and i think that's going to really bode well for him and then obviously his ability to play multiple positions to guard multiple positions in the ever-changing nba where guys have to be able to guard not just their man but you know, you switch all over the place, especially yeah. in crunch time basketball. Markel's going to be able to do that and do that very well. Well, I'm I'm excited that he got to the Sixers from the standpoint I think he'll, you know, obviously get to play right away, which I think is important for your development rather than sitting behind Isaiah Thomas in Boston uh, with Avery Bradley also there. But uh, having Ben Simmons there, <clears throat> the guy I coached last year, I think, and Joel Embiid, if they can keep everyone healthy, I think they really have a chance of making a big strides there. And that would be very, very exciting, almost like a young team, you know, all getting together as young kids. You know, Absolutely. So that would be really great. So I know tonight you're going to be very, very proud uh, when he gets called up there and stuff. And, uh, and maybe you can get him a hustle to come down the next, tomorrow and close the camp out for you. But uh, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I wish. Well, listen. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be a little busy on Friday. Yeah, I have a feeling too. But hey, listen, Mike, I, congratulations to you and to DeMatha. I know they're very, very proud. And uh, and congrats, of course, to Markel. Thanks for giving us some time today, really giving us some insight. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, Coach. You're the best. You're the best. Our friends at Crossover want to help you coach smarter and win more games. They'll cut and tag your game film for you, giving you back interactive shot charts, searchable clips, and advanced statistics in just 12 hours. Stop wasting time in the film room doing all that tedious prep work. Simply log in and start getting powerful analysis straight from your video. Even if you think you already know what these guys are all about, I suggest you take another look. Their new insights, features, create hex spin charts and shooting efficiency reports for you and your opponents. Something you're not going to get with Huddle or anybody else. Get the boys and girls teams on board and you'll both save 10%. Add on football, volleyball, lacrosse, hockey or soccer and your savings go up from there. Sign up at www.crossover.com forward slash coaching you to receive one free game that's crossover with a k dot com slash coaching you to get one free game it's great to have our our guest today uh, david patrick uh, david and i uh, worked at lsu uh you know for two years ago we we joined forces and uh it was an amazing thing david uh you know as thinking back you know you know when we talked about coming to LSU, you know, you kind of explained to me all about Ben Simmons. And then the other night 
as I'm watching the lottery and the, the ping pong balls and everything, I had a flashback to last year with Ben. Talk about, uh, first of all, I mean, you know the players uh, that are in this year's draft and stuff. Um, I, I just felt, uh, from my perspective, that Ben was the most ready player that I've ever seen in all my years in the NBA ready for the draft. So when they're talking about Markel Fultz, Alonzo Ball, and all these terrific kids, they're all great, Josh Jackson, all, all these guys, you know, De'Aaron Fox, they're terrific. They're not in the class of what I felt Ben Simmons was. Okay, and that's not a smash job on any way. It's just that's just my feeling. But when talk about you know the journey of you know of Ben, you know where you came to meet him, how we came to meet him, and then we'll walk it all the way up to the to where present day. No, I think you're right, man. And I think this time last year, my wife and I were talking about this last night that we were all kind of giddy sitting around the TV, you know, trying to see who was going to get pick one or two, you know, and I, I know we all thought Ben would be the number one pick, but we thought worst case would be the number two pick this time last year. Um, and I think when you look at the guys that were even in last year's draft and this year's draft and trying not to be biased with Ben being my godson, but I think the way he'd been groomed since a young kid uh, growing up in a professional family where his father played professional basketball for a long time, um, growing up around brothers and sisters that played at the collegiate level, not all basketball, but played you know, some road, others played basketball. He's been around the game for so long that he knew kind of what it took to be a pro at a, at a young age. And I don't think every kid in this draft or even last year's draft had that. Um, and when I talk about that, I mean from nutrition to the way his body uh, kind of was mentally you know, readily for the NBA. Um, I think that's what separates him on top of his IQ uh, from most uh, that are, quote unquote, your one and done type kids. Um, and I think the tutelage that he had under yourself, under, under me, under, under Coach Jones in his time at LSU, he was put in some positions that not all these kids have been put in. Um, from a young age to succeed. Uh, and I think that's why uh, he may be a little bit more ready uh, to make a splash as a, as, as a first-year guy uh, into the NBA. I, I know you, you you know him since birth, but when in his formative years, before he came over to the States, before he came over to go to his first uh, camp, let's say in California, and made that journey over, what did you feel about his progression and his potential? You know what it's about. So they call they have age groups in Australia. So when Ben was like under tens, um, so he was like nine. His father David would have him playing with the fourteen and fifteen year olds. So he always played up. And then when he was about twelve, his dad would put him on his men's team. And I know it sounds like like on his men's rec team, but I think when you're that young and that small, and you you've you've played with older guys your, your whole life, your development kind of uh, fast forwards and um, Ben at the same time as he got to about 15 or 16 he started getting invited to national camps which is the Australian national team which they call the boomers Um, and you know when you're going to practice with the Patty Mills the Joe Ingles the Della Vadovas of the world uh, the Andrew Bogats when you're around those type players in a setting at a young age before you even step foot into an American high school it just gives you 
uh, it makes you ready, you know, and then he comes on his journey to America, plays at Montverde. You know, I think they lose two games in his three years there uh, under immense pressure. Um, it just set the stage for him uh, to have success that a lot of a lot of kids his age uh, did not did not have the same opportunities he had or weren't put in the same positions with the same guidance that ben, that Benjamin's had. So when uh, when LSU and you got a commitment from him, I think in his junior year, correct? Uh, mm-hmm. What was your projection uh, at that point? Because I know, having lived in Orlando at that point, it was like, okay, really good player is committing to LSU, but I had no idea how good he was, and I'm living right there. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're seeing him often. You know, how good did you think he was going to be first, just for the college game? Uh, I'll be honest. I I thought he could. He'd be a good college player, an all-league SEC guy. Um, I thought he could probably play in the NBA at some point if he did, you know, handled his business, finishing off high school well and having a good freshman or sophomore year. But, you know, nobody in the family, and and I'm in the family, um, came here with him being – came to America with him in the grounds of being a one-and-done kid. You know, the reason that he came here uh, and the real reason is Ben was always taller than everybody in Australia. And so he got pigeonholed into being a post player, playing the center or playing the four position. And Ben had always had a ball in his hand since a young age. And his dad made him dribble with left hand, right hand, shoot with both hands, you know, and, and he, he'd always had the ball in his hand. But anytime he played on a, at a competitive level in Australia, he was pigeonholed into the post. And so the reason that he came to America was, hey, let's go and see how good I really am. And let's put me in a situation where, I can play at a high school or I can maneuver around the floor. Um, so originally he was leaning on going to Brewster Academy, which yeah. nobody knows up in How about that? up in the Northeast, you know, and we sat as a family and I think the coaching staff and everything there is great. But Ben's been brought up in Newcastle on the beach and Melbourne on the beach. When, when you brought up snow to Benjamin for three or four months out of the year, he asked, is there any other schools that aren't in snow? <laughs> so, I was going to uh, say something because I like the coaches at Brewster, but I I just can't believe he would deal with the snow well. But that's that's great that that's what happened. Yeah, so, you know, then, then you know, Montverde came, came in the picture and came in the fold. And um, the reason they came in the fold is, is – is, I was at the Houston Rockets from 2010 to 2012, and one of our staff members, Brett Gunning, who's still on the staff there, was formerly a coach at Villanova. Sure. And he had had a relationship when he was at Villanova with Kevin Boyle and Ray Miller uh, because they had had some players from St. Pat's on the team at Villanova. A few good and ones. A few, a few of them. He had a bunch of players, you know. And um, he – basically told me call these guys in florida they just moved there from from st pat's they're good guys you can trust them you know and as a as a godfather and as a family member when when you say trust i think that's the biggest thing when you're gonna send somebody uh halfway across the world uh to be on their own to go to high school and um you know called montver reached out to him and that's how Ben ended up at Montverde. Oh, you know, everyone man. thinks it was like a recruiting coup and all that. It was, that's the exact reason how Benjamin ended up at Montverde through 
Beck Gunning, Ray Miller, and Kevin Boyle. Just handed, just handed them to him. Isn't that great? That's awesome. That, you know, and that's when you become a hell of a coach. And Kevin Boyle is one. Uh, you know, and of course, has had Kyrie Irving and, uh, you know, our, our friend at, with the Charlotte Hornets who played at Kentucky. You Michael know, Kidd Gilchrist, Michael Kidd yeah. Gilchrist, no. you know. Uh, so he, he's had these guys that are all one or two in the draft. Uh, it, it's absolutely amazing what Kevin has done. And also, Kevin uh, is a no-nonsense, highly disciplined, yeller, screamer, demanding coach, which... Ben does not really take to, but probably good that he went through it. Yeah, I think it made, you know, I think Ben, it made him tougher, you know, and yeah. uh, he had nowhere to run. He didn't have, you know, he came in his 10th grade year. So, he, you know, that's not normal for kids. His parents didn't come with him at mm-hmm. that time. Right. And so he was on his own when he had to go through the adversity. You know, he didn't start. He came off the bench, um, ironically. Uh, Joel Bleed was there, I think, as a junior at the time. Jeez. Devin Williams, Dakari Johnson. And so Ben knew he couldn't play in the post. And uh, Kevin forced him to learn, you know, become more of a permanent player with them. And so um, he's had some adversity, which people don't know of, uh, until he became a junior and senior and kind of uh, morphed himself into the player that he became by the time he was a senior at, at Montfort. Well, you know, when when we got a hold of him, uh, you know, in the summer uh, before his freshman year and we took a tour to Australia uh, <clears throat> at my first trip to your great country. And uh, and I saw and I saw how popular he was there, but also saw how good basketball was in Australia. And I, you know, and I also saw, you know, can we add value to this young guy uh, with what we do with him at LSU to really you know, maximize his potential. And, you know, as he came in, he was considered to be a real high pick, you know, possibly by the NBA, but certainly wasn't anywhere near clear-cut number one. Um, You know, did he surprise you how good he quickly became, or, you know, did you you see it coming? You know what, I, I... I can tell you this, going into his senior year at Montverde, I think Ben was ranked sixth or seventh in the country at the time. And there was some other names in front of him, you know, some of them non-drafted, some of them second-round draft picks. And the fire that he had of not being number one and trying to be number one, as well as win a third national championship, which no one had done at the high school level um, before, I kind of knew then if he could, if he could, win that national championship and keep progressing the way he had uh, physically and mentally, which he did going into his senior year, that he had a chance to uh, not only be a great player at LSU and in the SEC, but be one of the, the better college players out there. You know, and I think when you talk to what you talked about, his IQ, um, what he learned as a foundation in Australia defensively, um, knowing the right passes and right shots to take, he wasn't going to have the same learning curve as most freshmen were uh, in, in terms of learning basketball, you know, and um, I think that gave him an upper, uh, an upper leg on most guys that come in as freshmen that are highly touted because he, he was advanced in those areas, you know, as, as you and I both saw uh, firsthand, you know, and a little bit even more advanced than most college players because of what he'd been around. We, we know as freshmen coming in, uh, any kid, any school, um, this is 
This is a huge change in their life. They're away from home, possibly, possibly for the first time. Uh, but you know, even if they, you know, now there's no mom and dad right there, uh, and you know, no one's there to tuck them in bed at night. They have freedom for change. Whether it's my daughter, your kid, anyone, it, it's a huge adjustment. Did he surprise you how easy his transition was to just being a kid on a campus? You know what I say? I knew if he if, if he didn't if it was just Ben minus the fanfare that, that traveled with him, um, I I knew he could have survived because not everyone sure. is blessed to be in the position he is to have a godfather and you know my wife there to if something goes wrong, go to their house and they, we, we know him intrinsically. Right. But, um, so I figured he'd always be good there, but you know, you and I both know the, the, the media scrutiny, the, you know, Ben couldn't go anywhere as a freshman from day one on campus. I wasn't sure how I was going to handle that, you know, and, and to have the, this documentary follow him everywhere to have local media, national media, uh, follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what, what have you. I, th- that's not normal for, for any freshman. I, and I would doubt any freshman in this year's draft has gone through that. Maybe, maybe Lonzo Ball, but you know, not Mar- Markel Fultz, that's for sure. No. Um, and to see the way Ben handled that, um, was, uh, was surprising. Cause I don't think it, I don't think good games or bad games were because the pressure that he was under from media or from the scrutiny of fans that, that he had everywhere we went. Let's talk about the the young man, the player. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I per, personally, I think we really used him very, very well. We we put him in a position to show uh, NBA teams number one all of his talent. Okay, and number two, I thought it really gave our team the best chance to win. So I think Johnny and the staff did a terrific job. Uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, okay. Uh, you know, they talk about Markel Fultz and Ben in the same thing, like our records were the same. Uh, no, they were nine wins. We were 19 with Keith Hornsby missing 14 games and Craig Victor missing eight. You know, I think we were a 25 to 26 win team if we had every, all the pieces there. But when we had Ben, my opinion, again, uh, you know, not being family, uh, I, I felt we could play with anyone virtually in the country as we did with Kentucky and stuff. We, you know, we could play with anyone because he's that dominating a player. Whereas Markel Fultz, his talent and his skill set is ridiculous. But, you know, he's losing at home by 40 points to UCLA. I mean, that doesn't happen with Ben Simmons, you know, losing a home game like that. He's that good. He can carry it. We're playing the number one team in the country in Oklahoma and we're taking him to the wire, but winning the whole game. I mean, that's how good I felt he was. Um, speak about, as you're coaching him, uh, the skill set that you think are going to be transferable to the NBA as you're coaching him as a freshman. You know, I think, I mean, you, you hit on great points there. I, I think the one thing that we try to do as a staff, and one of the reasons he came to LSU was as, as much it was about winning for us as a team and for coach Jones, uh, you know, coach made a, made a point to Benjamin that I'm not going to pigeonhole you on the post, which if we all know, if we just put Ben at the five spot, 
and he posted up all game. There's not many post players in the country that could have stopped him because he would have got to the foul line multiple times. Um, but we allowed him to play the point. We allowed him to play the three, the four, like kind of wherever he wanted to on the floor. And it gave us advantages at most times, you know. Um, and I don't think um, any player in this draft or any draft that I can think of had the same experience that Ben has had all across the floor. You know, we he, he's guarded twos, threes, fours, fives. He's switched pick and roll. He's done a lot that I think will allow him uh, to to have success, you know, as a rookie in the league. Um when you talk about Ben's game and the way we played him at LSU, you know, I think where he suffered some um, or where we suffered some is you noted that Keith Hornsby was hurt for for 14 games. Ben's such a good passer of the basketball um, and a very good penetrator that in college, you know, there's no illegal defense. So they could wad up the paint. Um, you know, we didn't have the same shooting when Keith wasn't on the floor. That's no knock on our other players, but it wasn't the same threat that Keith was on the perimeter. So uh, Ben's ability to get to the rim or find other open shooters, I think, was was taken away as the season progressed for us at, for, for us at LSU with, with Keith being down. Um, I think you fast forward to the NBA and the space they allow you to play with, uh, the, same, the size player that's going to be trying to guard him in that league. I think it's going to be to his advantage uh, to even use his his speed and size and, and passing ability at that level, even more so, I think, than it was in college, you know. Um, so I think it's an exciting time. And I think for him, the pressure of what he had to do at LSU and to your point, go and play at Kentucky and, and to, to go play at South Carolina, who we, we all know now how good South Carolina were. After going, you know, that was the same team that went to the Final Four that we played against last year, but they're seniors this year as opposed to juniors. Um, him having to go on the road and take the, the, you know, every time we showed up, a full house and the pressure of the student section, everything he went through, allows him in the NBA, I think, to to, to be ready for the challenges that faced him there at Philly. I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching Cleveland, Boston last night. Okay, so we're going to put a stamp on a timestamp on when we're recording this, and uh, and I'm watching LeBron, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm and I think you know if you wanted to comp- the two people that I told every NBA team last year, you know the only comparison with Benjamin is LeBron and Magic. That's the only one. There's no others, and I mean that's rarefied air. I'm watching the game last night, and I'm saying to myself, Ty Lue is doing exactly the way Ben should be played. He's taking, in this game, he's taking LeBron and putting Bron as the point guard the entire mm-hmm. game. And for that game, offensively, not defensively, offensively, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant and it screwed up. Now all of a sudden, because he's a four size-wise, now all of a sudden, who's guarding him? Horford. You know, mm-hmm. Olenna, you know, uh, you know, all these guys, and they are screwed. Eight different guys had to guard him last night, and the guy just dominated the game. And I think that's when you really know, Ben is so gifted, so talented, so smart that you think you know how to use him, but you don't until you coach him. And so those guys in Philadelphia think they know what they're going to do, but he will show them things they've never seen done before because he hasn't played really full court much with them. 
you know, since the time he was drafted. So he's going to, you know, he's going to show them the things he can do on a full court basis. I think LeBron is the only player in the league at his size that is as fast as him on the break. So I think it's just going to be really fantastic to watch him evolve as an NBA player. And I'm excited to watch that, David. No, I, I agree. You know, and I, you know, ironically, that's who he emulates and that's kind of, uh, he, Ben's body's the way it is. I think genetically and by the grace of God, LeBron and Ben have been given uh, great bodies. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that Ben can be, if Ben's half the player LeBron is, we'll, we'll be, we'll be thankful, but I see the way that he's been, he's played, you know, and, you know, I guess the knock on Ben is okay. He doesn't, he doesn't shoot it great. Well, you don't have to shoot it. I don't know how many threes LeBron shot last night, but he didn't have to shoot a whole lot to to to, to get get it done. Yeah. In, in, in the and, league, and, and you know, and, and having been blessed with you know thirty seven years since I came into the NBA, you know, Magic couldn't shoot, Michael couldn't shoot, uh, Dominique couldn't shoot, uh, and 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 LeBron couldn't shoot when they came into the league. This is something that will evolve. The key is not being able to shoot. It's knowing when to pass and when to shoot, you know, and I think that's going to be good. This is, uh, I think for, for you, this is this is going to be an exciting year for you to watch your godson develop. And uh, and I love the way you shared some of that stuff with us. But thanks on that, David. Oh, for sure. Anytime, Coach. 